and actually fighting for that goal, make sure you always look back and see where you started just to give yourself a pat on the back. Cause I think farmers have a hard time doing that once in a while. And I think just a little pat and look back and see exactly where you came from and how far you've come really would help a lot of people. Hey now, this is Dan Aberhart, and I am the host of this episode of the Growing the Future podcast. My business partner and little brother and I, Terry, we started this show to bring you the incredible conversations we're fortunate enough to have with the amazing folks in our network. These episodes will elevate your mindset, they'll motivate you, they'll inspire you and inform you in such a way that you can be successful going forward in the agricultural space. So let's get growing our future together. Good evening, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us tonight for the Business Operating Systems for Farms exclusive online event. We will be covering the topics of coaching, networking, and business operating systems in the context of farming. Speaking directly to you, our audience tonight, my questions for you are this. Do you have a coach or are you in a coaching program? Do you have a structured opportunity to glean insights from your peers in the same business as you? Does your business have an operating system with a set of principles that it runs on? Two farmers and their CFO will be sharing their tips and tricks into how they have successfully integrated programs like Strategic Coach, like TPAP, like EOS or entrepreneurial operating systems into their farms and businesses and into their personal lives. Let's not forget about our personal lives, folks. There's a number of parties here that have partnered up to bring you this valuable content. The first that I want to mention is CYFF Canadian Young Farmers Forum. March is usually their in-person conference, but like everybody else on planet Earth, they have pivoted and they are offering educational sessions and workshops throughout February and March. And this session is a part of that initiative. So thank you to CYFF for bringing us all together tonight. Their goal is to assist young farmers to become leaders in the field with innovative ideas and training. You're gonna get some amazing insights from this session. This event is also brought to you by Farm Management Canada, a national champion of farm business management excellence. They connect producers across Canada with learning and skills development opportunities to achieve sustainable growth and prosperity. That's what we all want, folks. Let's be real. We want that. We want that stuff. Give us some. Representing them tonight, give a big shout out to my co-host, the lovely, the one and only executive director of FMC, Heather Watson. What's up? I'm excited for tonight. Looking forward to some awesome insights. Yeah. This event is also brought to you by Hebert Grain Ventures, a progressive agricultural enterprise dedicated to practicing and promoting excellence in farming. Their family and dedicated team members operate a large broad acre grain farm in Fairlight, Saskatchewan and offer a range of other services. Managing partner of HGV, Christian Hebert, is with us tonight. This man hardly needs an introduction in the agricultural space. He is well known to draw big crowds to deliver talks that inform and inspire. So get ready for some hashtag truth bombs. Welcome, Christian Hebert. 
for having me. All right. All right. Also brought to you by Maverick Ag Consulting, a business risk management and consulting firm focused on insurance and data analytics. Maverick Ag Limited was built to evolve the mindset of financial and business risk management in agriculture. Their guarantee is the best way to have the future you want is to create it. Evan Shout is the president and co-founder of Maverick Ag, and he is the CFO of both Hebert Green Ventures and Eberhardt Farms, as it would have it. Welcome to the session tonight, Evan. Thanks for having me, Dan. Excited to be here. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Last but not least, tonight's insights were also brought to you by Eberhardt Farms, SureGrow Solutions, Eberhardt Egg Solutions, Growing the Future Podcast, and Convergence Growth, all of which my little brother Terry is part of in one way, shape, or form, good or bad. We still love him. Welcome to the session, Terry. Glad to be here and glad you still love me. It's awesome to be here. Fight everything you've done. That's, <laughs> that's what the big brother is for. Okay. So now we've covered all of the horsepower involved in getting us here to this conversation. Let's dive into our content. I want Heather to kick things off. Heather, what is it that you most want to know from these panelists regarding tonight's topic? All right. Well, I want to know so many things and I'm looking forward to the discussion. But the first thing that I want to know is what really enticed you to pursue professional coaching and development programs like Strategic Coach and TPAP? What got you hooked and why did you stay there? I think I always enjoyed learning and probably one of the books I, I read early on in my career taught me that one of the most dangerous things in our lives is the information around what we don't know. So the easiest way to kind of learn what you don't know or be aware of what you don't know is through coaching and through peer groups and people that you respect given honest and critical information of your operation. So that's probably what led me down the path to go into coaching. That and advice of mentors too, I think was another big reason. The number one reason was just, if I am scared of anything, it's what I don't know. I'm not really sure if I am scared or if I feel stressed, but if there is something that I wish I knew more about. It's just simply what you don't know. So by going to coaching and, and being around mentors, I think they do a good job of, of asking you questions, opening your mind, really letting you understand that it is a global world and that all industries interconnect more than we could ever believe. And whether you're manufacturing widgets or mining copper or, or growing wheat and canola on the prairies, business is business. It really is. And it's more about people, management, and, and kind of the integration of technology than it is about what specific stream of business you're in. Yeah, I think for me, it's much the same. I really like to learn and I have a lot to learn about a lot of things. So coaching or going to events or taking certain training like TPAP or whatever it may be is all stuff that kind of helps you learn and grow. But, but really probably the main thing that kind of coaxed me or inspired me is when I did join the Agritrend group with Rob Syke, he was a member of Strategic Coach at the time. Being part of the leadership team there, he exposed us to a lot of different tools and brought the team together. And I just, I realized how well fun that was to begin with and how powerful it could be when you can help involve your team in what you're doing and how you're doing it. So that really, for me, was the motivation of following down some of these coaching routes. And it seems like the more you do, the more you want to 
learn more and surround yourself with people that are smarter than you. So you don't have to really be that smart. That's kind of my philosophy. I like that. <laughs> and it's kind of like a drug, but addictive, eh? When you learn one thing and before you know it, you're learning all sorts of things. And Evan, I know you're not maybe the farmer in this scene, but have you pursued coaching and you provide coaching and maybe some comments on that? I have, yeah. I'm a member of strategic coach as well as the other two. So for me, it was a little different scenario. I think when I joined Hebert Grain Ventures full-time, it was more a catch up before it's too late. It was more learn the language. So what people don't realize is when you join courses like strategic coach, it's almost like a brand new language to learn on growth, on getting out of the gap, on a whole bunch of different scenarios in life, whether personal and professional. So what I think was the main prerequisite is that I wanted to catch up with the leadership group in our organization and have those conversations on a higher level. The other thing was I through the public practice part of my career and in my public accounting days, I'd, I'd had a lot of mentors, but I'd never actually taken it to the next point of actually coaching and sitting down and trying to learn stuff about other industries and not just agriculture. And that to me was probably the biggest part of coach that's changed my viewpoint is that we're still business. It's not any different. Agriculture, don't get me wrong, is a wonderful industry, but much like other industries, it's still run through a business. So for me, Strat Coach just made it that much easier to, to get your mind to change on the business side. I'm so happy to hear that. Farming is a business. <laughs> Something we tend to repeat all the time and have to repeat all the time. And Dan, can I ask a follow-up question to that as well? You sure can. I, yeah, no charge I, for that. Okay. All right. So I was just wondering, in terms of your experience, if you could maybe looking at kind of then versus now, what would you say in terms of the impact of these programs and these opportunities on your farm? What has been the noticeable impact from professional coaching, PPAP, and some of the other programs that you've been a part of and continue to be a part of? Maybe starting with Terry first? I'll try to keep this short because I could probably ramble for the whole hour about the impact. But some of the feedback, I guess, we've gotten from the team or other people have heard our team talk about is just getting more clarity. I think one of the challenges that you have as an entrepreneur is there's so much stuff going on in your head. And a lot of times you think you've maybe communicated stuff really clearly, but maybe you haven't done it at all or you haven't done it clearly. So I think going through things like coach and entrepreneurial operating system for your business helps bring a lot more clarity to your team. And some of the feedback our team has shared with others is that I'm actually easier to deal with, which maybe sounds crazy, but just more relaxed, more focused, more clear, spend more time with family. And so those are things, I guess, one of the things you don't, always realizes as the leader, everyone's watching you. And if you're coming to work stressed out and not focused on what the important things are, I mean, that's going to filter down into your team and cause issues and tensions there too. So I think that's probably the biggest single thing is just really remove a lot of stress when you can work through these tools, help gain more clarity on what you need to focus on and what's really important. And and get yourself in the right mindset and your team and business in the right mindset. That's awesome. I love all of that. And I know you said you could go on forever, but I think that succinctly just wraps it up for us. That's great, Terry. Thanks so much. And Christian, how about you? 
think I'd put it into four buckets. So first it'd be people in that they're an investment, they're not an expense. And start with your management team and then work your way down through your organization. And you don't have a business, you don't have a life if you don't have people. So remember to invest in that group of people, communicate with the people where you're going and, and really create a team environment. We talk lots that we're, we operate like a hockey team, not like a, an organizational chart of a normal corporate structure. And I think that was probably one of the number one things that that really tweaked in my head. As a CPA, you're always looking at expenses and, and the wages and labor are a big line item in every business. Now it's just a function of it's an investment in order for us to create all revenue and margin. So that, that would be one. Number two, I would say network. I think network is probably the most valuable asset that any management team has. And the wider that network can be from a global perspective, but also the breadth of it in the industries. And then lastly, like still remember where your roots are. Some of the best information I've got is from our local subway workers on how scheduling is important, right? So never grow outside your beginning network, but also continually grow your network. And I think everyone likes the show Suits on Netflix. And I think the reason why is actually because everybody in New York owes Harvey a favor. Not only have a network, but in some way provide enough value that that, that network feels that they want to provide value back to you. Third bucket is time. Same as Terry. I mean, when I started Strategic Coach, their definition of a free day is you don't even check email or your cell phone, anything to do with business. And I was a flat out zero. I'd been a zero for quite some time. I was answering emails on Christmas day. There's, I got nothing to lie about it. I may be up to 40 or 50 ish a year now, which is still a lot higher than zero, but nowhere near, you know, the 120 or 150 they'd like, but time's pretty important and, and make sure you at least allocate what's important to you. And I think the fourth thing that I would put it on is just truly understanding yourself. I don't think you can lead if you don't know who you are individually, right? And what you're comfortable in, what you're not good at. And I think early on in our careers and probably a lot of people on the call, we make mistakes and bad decisions because we're trying to act like a leader, even in areas that we're not good at, just to prove that we can lead when that, that's not what leadership is, right? It's to be strong where you're strong and, and show weakness where you where there's weakness to be shown so that your team can fill those gaps for you. And that's where they gain their pride and responsibility. So. I think that'd be my quick summary. I love how you put that into buckets. That makes it so easy and clear to see. And yet you see that kind of people weaving through all of those pieces, whether it's on the personal side, the business side, I scratch your back, you scratch mine, et cetera. That's awesome. And Evan, do you have any comments to add to that as well? I don't want to leave you out of the discussion. And I'm sure you have a few things to say. My only comment is if I'm following them all night, this is going to be a long night for me. For me, I think the biggest thing was just the expansion of the mind is a valuable tool. And what I mean by that is my, what, as farmers, what we always do is we handcuff ourselves. We have this goal in mind that this, once we achieve this, this is the ultimate goal. This is where we want to end. So what Strat Coach did for me is it, it just kept moving the goalposts. It just made every goal that much more important and that much bigger. And it, it essentially taught me not to actually hinder growth by cutting myself off at the knees. So there is no goal that's, that's too big or too far because essentially if you set that goal, the mindset is, now you got to make it. And then the other one is just don't get lost in the gap. So when you're, when you're actually fighting for that goal, make sure you always look back and see where you started just to give yourself a pat on the back because I think farmers have a hard time doing that once in a while. And I think the mental health side of agriculture and everything else that we have, just a little pat and look back and see exactly where you came from and how far you've come really would help a lot of people. 
It's easy to be hard on yourself in all instances when you're pushing, pushing, pushing. Yeah. I appreciate that very much. Shall I throw it over to you, Dan? Do you want to crack at these guys or what? I want to start breaking down some of these barriers to get people into this coaching mindset and program. And I want to circle back to Evan. You alluded to in one of your comments, you said, we tend to think about agriculture as a different business. And I'm sorry, but when you go to strategic coach, three out of the four people that you meet in Toronto are financial advisors. Like you're going to make a friend who can take care of your RSPs and strategic coach. But there's not that many farmers. And you have the perspective of working with farmers. You've been a farmer. You've been a strategic coach. Why isn't a strategic coach full of farmers? Good question. But from my perspective, it's still the age-old mindset that farming isn't treated like a business. And it's not fair to say because there's lots of farms that have pushed the boundaries and moved into that business mindset, that corporate culture, the, the teams, the career progression. But what I found is that there's still a lot of farms that still just run on the, the family legacy. And, and it's not a bad thing. It's just when you go to strategic coach, it, it forces that, that move into here's the business side. And I think that the reason that you see a lot of the financial advisors or whoever is in your group, and to tell you the truth, even in my group, there, there's not a lot. There's a whole bunch of different diverse, there's contractors, there's construction companies, there's, there's a whole bunch of different industries. And it's just farmers really like talking to other farmers. It's when you actually get to coach and you start talking about business and you see some of the other operations and, and how they manage people and how they manage operations, it's, it's not different than a farm. It might not be agriculture, but how you manage people is no different this farm to this construction company to this other organization. It, it's still management of people. That's probably been the biggest thing for me is just it has pushed us into that business mindset. And I think if more agriculture guys did attend coach and did make that shift, I think they'd see how much they could really learn from people outside the industry. We're really good at going to farm shows and we're really good at talking to other farmers and peer groups and stuff in agriculture. I get the most use out of peer groups in groups outside of agriculture because that's where it actually expands my mind. I, I like to think I know a lot in agriculture and I probably don't know a tenth of what I should. But in order to get there, I find talking to other business owners outside of the industry is actually just as beneficial as inside. So you're bringing some ideas from other industries to what you guys are doing in egg. 100%. Awesome. Terry, for somebody who's sitting there and thinking like, what is strategic coach? What would it be like? How do you get these insights? Can you paint a picture of what it's like walking into that room, what the day looks like and how you come away with these insights, like the whole process? Yeah. So Strategic Coach is, is run by Dan Sullivan. It's a program for coaching, essentially entrepreneurs. It's a peer group for entrepreneurs. And so you go, we travel to, normally we travel to Toronto once every quarter and you get in, put in a room with a whole bunch of other people, as Evan said, from all kinds of different industries and, and companies. And I think the biggest value there is you're, you're in a room with people that have like mindsets. They want to grow and they want to improve. And you quickly realize that everybody has the same issue. I agree with Evan. Like I think in agriculture, we come from this culture of rugged individualism where we just think you should do everything yourself because that's what we used to do. And even whether it's agronomy coaching or strategic coach or whatever, sometimes people struggle with getting help. But anyways, you go to coach and you go in this room where it's a safe environment. Nobody knows you. They're not your next door neighbor. And you can honestly really open up and talk about 
the issues and the challenges. And Dan Sullivan has been coaching entrepreneurs for 30 years and some of the best entrepreneurs in the world. And he's developed systems and tools just to help you go through your thinking, to help you get clarity about what your goals are, how to, how to motivate your team. And really there's three main concepts within coach, right? And one is focusing on yourself and your unique ability and how to leverage that within the world. The second one is how to create a unique ability team or self-managing team around you and really how to manage your time and this free time concept and focus time. And so I think especially in agriculture and all entrepreneurs, we really struggle with time management. That's what I did and still do, but it's greatly improved since then. And probably one of the biggest transformations for me personally going to coach is realizing that it's kind of counterintuitive how we feel as an entrepreneur in our business. We kind of feel like we're responsible for everything and everybody. And you usually come last, but I realized like you actually have to take care of yourself. If you're going to be a good father, a good leader, a good partner, because if you're not sleeping or eating and again, strung out your effectiveness to be a leader or be good at anything is greatly diminished. So that's a little bit about what coaches and the incredible value that I've gotten and others, everyone in coach kind of has this very similar kind of experience and value that is brought into their life and their business when you talk to them. So glad you're working on your attitude. You're just doing great, Terry. You're just keep working on that attitude. I wanted to ask you, Christian, you went to TPAP and you brought back the agricultural world, a concept that you espoused and it grew and it became a theme and so many people, it resonates today over and over. I mean, I'm sure if you... If you Google it, it comes up on Twitter almost daily, the 5% rule. How is it that you've taken some of these tools, internalized them, and sort of got them out to your team from things like Strategic Coach, EOS, TPAP, beyond the 5% rule? Can you give some other examples of how they work in your life, in your business? I got one personal, simple kind of statement that I use that solves most of my problems or creates any business I'm part of. And you know, I, I kind of believe that all ideas or businesses are, are formed on a three-legged stool. So the seat of that stool is people and the three legs are time, brains, and money. And if you have any problem or any idea or any business, those are really the three legs that you need, but people is what holds it all together. That's really what TPAP showed me, right? Is that the 5% rule all came from a conversation with Danny Kleinfelter. I've told the story lots of times where he grilled me on why we weren't seating 24 hours. And I used every excuse that I could in Southeast Saskatchewan. It's cold and it's wet and we got big air seeders and there's slews and how am I going to get anybody work at night? And he said, well, I'll just kind of reframe the question. It's three years from now, you've been seating 24 hours. What did you do to fix it? Now, if any, anyone that's been part of coach, that sounds pretty similar to the R factor question from Dan Sullivan, right? Is one of the easiest ways to reframe your mind is move into the future and picture it as if you're already doing it and then go back and find the solutions instead of running into the wall. So that, that's really what TPAP did for me is talking to other producers. You start to understand that your problems are the same as every other producer in the world, right? In the U.S., they'll talk a bit more about water than we will in Canada. But people, cash flow, how do I learn to choose which opportunities and which decisions I need to make when I do them, etc., the timing. It is the same for every farm in the entire world. What generation you're in, what line of business you're in, it doesn't affect it much. And if you get deep down to it, I mean, a lot of farms will say Mother Nature's their biggest worry when, I'm sorry, policy is our biggest worry, right? We go back three months and we got drama teachers and Twitter accounts running the two, two of the biggest economies in the world. 
we have no function over that as in as farmers and yet it's highly applicable to our income statements so let's try and set our businesses up to get hedges against that because there's risk management systems and there's business solutions to deal with virtually every other problem in your farm you just have to be willing to talk to the right people or or join the right peer group or get the right mentor in order to find the solution and not block yourself off from it and i think tpap you know was was my first step to opening up my mind to to the global size of our industry and other businesses and the biggest issue in all businesses is actually the leader nothing else if the leader can't open their mind the business will continually hit roadblocks awesome so we're halfway through a session we've been talking about working on yourself at strategic coach let's open up the topic a little bit to peer groups and networking and then we'll get into EOS and great interaction as we went here. Had some comments that two of my biggest influences to consider going to TPAP with Christian and Terry. Thanks for setting a good example. I know we have on the call today, somebody who's running a number of peer groups, actually Rob's sake, but Terry, you're in the power farm. Do you want to tell folks about the value of the power farm? And I, I understand maybe Rob can send a message too about the availability of new slots too. He can sell some slots tonight for uh, future peer groups while he's at it. Yeah, I think any peer group is great. We've been fortunate being part of the Power Farm group for now, I don't know, maybe seven or eight years. It's been quite a while. I think it's similar to coach in a way where you can open up and talk about your issues. Everyone's far enough apart that we're not competing against each other for land and resources and that kind of thing. And and what I found really has been really awesome now after so many years, it's like some of these people become your closest friends, they might phone you to ask you what kind of gift they should buy their wife for their birthday or something like that. And they're kind of lifelines sometimes when you're struggling with something. So it just, we actually, our power farm group was going today in the next three days and afternoons virtually, of course, because we can't get together, but just sharing different ideas. And this is even Christian and I used to network quite a bit when we first met each other too, and still do just Every, every farm, every individual has great ideas. And if you just take one or two of those great ideas from each member of the group, rather than everybody trying to reinvent the wheel themselves, I think that's where the biggest value is having that mindset, like, Hey, let's work together and make the pie bigger. Let's improve the industry and improve the opportunity for everybody. Not have this scarcity mentality is I don't want to let my neighbor know my secret because they're my competition. Well, I think in business you're competing against yourself in a way and, and the ability to survive. So yeah, the peer groups have been great. It's, I, I also agree with Evan. I purposely went to coach because I want to get out of that mentality that it's always done this way in agriculture and you can't do that in ag because you got to make rain when the sun shines or you can't do shifts or you can't do 24 hours. And I think that's just a bunch of malarkey. I think that's old mentality and mindsets. So I actually like being challenged by bringing different ideas in, but the peer groups are great. Awesome. Well, talking about networking, one of the effective parts of something like Strategic Coach is that you're paired with people that are somewhat on your level of having the same problems. Because I think you have similar problems all the way along, but there's different problems at 1 million, 5 million, 50 million, 500 million. Let's be real. And so Christian, <laughs> I'm on the outside on the signature program, looking in on the 10X program. Tell us a little bit about some of the cross-pollination between some pretty wild movers and shakers and other industries that you've been privileged to meet and had your mind exploded by. 
I think there's still a, that function of the business is still the same. Doesn't matter what what group you're in. I agree the discussions are slightly different. Some of the best ideas I've had are uh, guys that run construction companies in Chicago and have 500 employees. And I mean, you think the rain affects them? They tell me what a rain day does to their bottom line. And I feel guilty even mentioning that I thought a rain day was a bad day in seating anymore. <laughs> Right? Or same thing with, I got a copper manufacturer in Dubai. He's got something like 13 different languages in his plant that he has to deal with barriers when it comes to writing SOPs. And up till then, I'd complain that I had to write one SOP in English. The fact that I had to do it, right? And then he tells me his side of the, the problem. The other thing too is probably when I started coach growth, I love growth. I'm, I'm addicted to it. I'm addicted to the game. I'm addicted to growth. And I don't just mean acres. It can be in, in a whole bunch of different things. But coach made it feel normal, right? To the point now that I think anywhere between 10 and 35% growth is actually kind of normal. It's just a, just a year. 50% growth I still think is painful. <laughs> but some of the people I'm around in coach, that's what they target is 50% growth. Right. I already know we're staring down the barrel of a possible 50% for the upcoming growing season. And I've got two or three guys from coach that that I've been talking to because even though their businesses are different, I mean, the one guy runs one of the biggest engineering firms in the US and three years ago, he joined coach to get ready, get his business ready to sell. And then he realized that he's not actually in engineering. He's in mergers and acquisitions. He just hired good engineers and he's really good at M&As. And all of a sudden growth wasn't painful anymore. So I mean, I had a, had a pretty good chat with him three or four days ago. And all of a sudden you go to bed thinking, ah, 50% might not be that bad. Right? <laughs> it's just, it's having that, different contact in your phone. When you run an idea by them, the first instinct isn't scared because they've been there before. It's like, you know what? Here's the mistakes I made. Here's what I do different. Have you went back and thought, where do you want to be in 25 years? And is this part of the path to get there? And is it one of those opportunities that it's just a timing issue, but it's still the right opportunity? Or have you got yourself convinced that you need this opportunity when really you don't need to? And I think that's been kind of the neat part of that, that 10X group is that very rarely is no the right answer unless it's to save time. A lot of times we say no out of fear when really the only time no is the right answer is if you're trying to guard your personal time. Then 100% it is. But you shouldn't just usually say it out of fear. There's usually a solution to get around that. Interesting. Heather, you got your mic on. You got some thoughts? It kind of comes back to that idea of not staying in your silo. And there's lots of other industries that deal with all sorts of problems, but also opportunities. And bringing that into your place. I think oftentimes we don't spend enough time looking outside of agriculture and looking outside of our own company. So it's really nice to hear those experiences and how that's benefited you guys for sure. Cool. Well, we touched on TPAP. We touched on peer groups. We touched on strategic coach. We already had somebody asking about the acronym EOS, Entrepreneurial Operating System. Evan, how is EOS the evolution of strategic coach for entrepreneurs for teams? I'm going to come at this probably a little different than the other two because I'm I'm a little bit of both, to tell you the truth. I'm on the leadership team at Hebert Grain Ventures, so I'm in the middle of EOS in that organization. And I'm also CFO with Terry, which kind of gives me the outside view of another organization using EOS, but I get to be on the outside on that one. So from my standpoint, EOS has literally changed the way we do business. And from what I mean by that is, I joined Christian with Heber Grain Ventures in March of 19. And we started EOS a short time after that. And I saw the changes immediately. And all it did was it changed the processes. 
the difference from strategic coach is that strategic coach is working on yourself. EOS took that, implemented it into the organization and changed the processes we use on our day-to-day. For example, communication. One of the biggest things I've seen in organizations that have been downfalls is just lack of communication. Whether it's from the leader down, whether it's middle management, whether it's even the flow up. You have a, if you have an unhealthy employee somewhere in the bottom and they don't actually voice their opinion up, it, it just cancers the whole group. And I've seen it. I've worked with enough organizations to actually witness this. So I think what EOS did for us, it just gave us that system in place to open the communication channels both up and down. The other thing it did for us is it, it actually showed us our true business model. So between HGB and Maverick and, and how we run the organizations that way, we were always treating it as two separate businesses. And through EOS, we've learned to share resources. We've made it one kind of business model, which then has just opened up our growth model of, as Christian said earlier, growth doesn't have to be acres. In our mind, growth can come from any opportunity that comes across, whether it's on the financial consulting, the insurance, the, the farm side. It just literally gave us a whole set of internal processes to run our business better. Sweet, sweet, sweet. That sounds really good. Terry, you took a giant leap to get into strategic coaching to work on yourself. And I think it was probably an easier sell to go to EOS after some of the people in the organization had seen the positive benefits. But is this a big leap to bring coaching into a, a farm team? I mean, is it shocking? Is it is it troublesome? Is it challenging? Or was did everybody just eating it up? How, how does that look? I think it depends on your team and situation. But if you're people programmed like us, we love trading and coaching and all this stuff. But most times your team isn't usually as rah-rah about it initially or until they understand it. So I guess through coach as well, you met a lot of people that are implementing EOS or the entrepreneurial operating system. And it's really coach for your team. And like Christian said something really important earlier, and really all this is about your team and your people. And I do believe as well that your people are your most valuable resource. And so this is really giving them the tools and opportunities to be part of something, to have an impact, to have accountability, to help understand where you want to go with your vision and build those systems around it. So we do a lot of different things and have done a lot of different things with our farm. And so when I first brought it up, it was kind of like, oh, why do we need this? This is another one of Terry's ideas from coach kind of thing, but we followed through with it and, and we started as well. And we started in November, so we're only a few months in, but the change has been pretty immediate and pretty dramatic. We're still learning a lot of things, but just the clarity of communication and conversations, like when we have our L10 meetings now, which is one of the concepts within the structure, we get an incredible amount of stuff done. And when we talk about a problem, like we actually discuss it and solve it, where before we would just talk about problems, but there was no solution or answer. And we're just stepping on the same rakes over and over again. So there's some uncomfortable moments through it. Like anything with leadership isn't always easy. And bringing your team up to be leaders as well is something that sometimes there's some uncomfortable moments in that, but it just elevates how everyone can work together and really shares a lot of the load and responsibility and accountability from the individual and together is better right like when you can share that with a team it's a team concept you can't just have a quarterback that has 
no receivers that are on the same page, right? Like everybody's got to work together. So that's really what we've seen. Getting some really good questions here. So Terry, did you hire an EOS coach or read the book or implement it yourself? We did. We self-implemented EOS for a couple of years by reading the books and just doing that. And then I talked to Christian about as well, another coach of mine at times, because they had started through the process and and it's the same thing. The coach has some descriptions about self-implementing that I won't share on the call here for GP purposes. Having a professional like these, the company is coaching something like 60,000 companies worldwide. This is what these people eat, breathe and sleep every day. And so that's what I trust. I trust people that are passionate about what they do and want to do nothing but that all day long. And so we we implement a coach on our own for probably two years with probably 10% success and and then working with a prof- professional facilitator. It's just been unbelievable how much more powerful that's been. There's a question here from Janelle Kuntz. Hopefully I'm saying that right. She's asking to your comments about networking, Christian. Maybe it's hard for some people to be able to relate to having these, well, they start out as strangers, but they come become really good friends numbers in your phone to contact them. How does that work? You got people asking you questions. You got them as an exchange of value. Is that how it works? Can you describe that for the folks? Yes. I think we all have two types of contacts in our phones when it comes to network. We got, we all have family and friends, but when it comes to business contacts, there's two types. Well, actually there's three types. There's the ones where currently you probably provide more value than you get from them. But obviously the reason is, is one, you thoroughly enjoy mentorship and somebody did that for you or you actually just truly believe the person's a rock star and probably going to blow by us. So you'd like to catch a bit of wave as they move. Then there's the ones that we'd probably deem as peers that we share numbers with. Terry and I will touch base every couple of months, et cetera. And it might be, we might not talk for six months and then talk for six hours while we're in an air seat or just needing to stay awake. But that's when we share all the ideas. And then I think you have those ones that, yeah, like they are a special contact to have and you have to be careful how you deal with that. One, you want to make sure that you're not wasting their time. So that's the send a text, hey, would you have any time in the next two weeks for a phone call? And two, make sure you're truly phoning them for a piece of advice or an opinion, not to try and sell them on something or to give you a free lift. And I find that those top-notch contacts, and I can think of a CEO of one of the multinationals I just texted this morning to say, hey, you got any time in your calendar this week? I just need 15 minutes. He grew up pretty close to me here and our grandparents are friends and it doesn't have much to do with the farm or anything. It's like, I'm pretty sure you've been where I am right now, probably five or six times. That's why you have the job you do. And I just want you to, I'm going to, I'm going to lay out two or three scenarios and I want you to vote. And then if you, if you're inclined to give me some advice, that'd be great too. I think it's just how you approach each one of those contacts, but I don't lie. My personal goal is that everyone in my whole contact Rolodex owes me a favor because I've given them one sometime in my life because that's powerful. If you got a big Rolodex and everyone feels that they owe you one because you were kind-hearted enough and believed in them enough to, to give them some value sometime in their life. And that's more important than money in the bank in a lot of instances. Good advice. No, pay it forward. What's the main challenge to the employee to adopt new technologies? Yeah, I would say the number one roadblock for employees to adopt new technologies is when the leadership team doesn't give enough clarity around why we're doing it. If it's just a, you need to do this because it's important, that doesn't tell them much. So I can go something as simple as Voxer. We use it for all our team communications. And when you sit down and explain, we don't need 15 emails and 100 text messages. 
about which field the sprayer is going to. So just put it on the Voxer sprayer chat and the eight people that need to know about it are going to know about it. You don't have to make eight phone calls. You don't have to, and everyone's up to date, whether you're on the morning shift or the night shift and, and really walk through why that technology is important. And then, I mean, you can go to the next thing of, we use QuickBooks Online for our accounting platform and why the labeling of invoices is important by our shop crew. We're only six to nine months away from AI doing all of the sorting of our invoices to the point that then a machine repair invoice will get sorted down to every single implement based on the code that it's been given. And I mean, that data and how that can help us on, on not what are we going to trade a semi, but we are going to trade semi, semi number three because for the last three years, it's been our highest repairs and highest per kilometer charge. We don't even need to think about it. We, don't, we have all the data on it and explain to them why that's important. So I, I truly believe the number one reason you'll see an employee fail with an, with an adoption or implementation of a new technology is, Mr. Leader, just take a look in the mirror. You failed. <laughs> Are you talking to me now? You're talking to me directly, no, Christian? Because you're reaching uh, out I'm, to I'm me. actually looking at myself here. <laughs> <laughs> is Christian talking to me right now? It's a bit spooky because I had this feeling today. I love it. I love it. Oh man, that's so wise. Evan, how do you avoid diseconomies of scale with rapid growth? I've found as a farm grows past a certain size that it's harder to keep our costs at the lowest level of the cost curve. You got some graphs and charts you can share? <laughs> I could go for hours, but I don't think you want that on here. <laughs> um, the biggest thing I think is just, you got to be truthful with yourself. If you're just expanding for the, the sake of expansion, the numbers are never going to work. And, and you can make it seven ways from Sunday, it's still never going to work. But if you're expanding because it fits your business model, or it fits the strategic plan of the farm, or even as simple as between Christian and I, Christian has actually posed the question to our team to see if they actually wanted to expand from the labor perspective. They got a vote on the last expansion because if our labor staff doesn't agree that growth is the way we want to go, that doesn't fit. So on the economies of scale side, whether you're looking at numbers or people or however you want to pose it, you just need to have that team in place to do it. Because from my perspective, if you're going to fail on an expansion, I can run the numbers on equipment, I can run the numbers on utilities, inputs, however you want to face it, we can make it work. But you can't do that with people. So most of the economies of scale or the diseconomies of scale, if you want to stay on expansion, comes down to your team and how the growth inside the organization. And it, it, again, it ties back to EOS. So we're putting these processes in place now because at the size we are now, we're happy with where we are. And even on Terry's side of the EOS, I'm, I'm sure the processes are going in place because you want the organization to be strong. So when you do get that growth or you do get that expansion, it's not a hurt. It's essentially, we already know that we have the people in place or we have the processes in place that we can get new people and they just slide right into the curve. We have the values, we have the core niche, we have everything decided as an organization that we're just going to grow and it's going to work out in that way. When you look at organizations outside of agriculture, let's take Walmart, for example, you think adding one more store in Saskatoon affects their business model in any way. It just follows the process, follows the people, and it just gets implemented. So just a quick one on growth and the expense curve. The real reason we're doing it is because people are trying to grow their business, whether that is going through a succession estate plan or taking on more acres or adding a team member. Growth is what usually causes challenge. And I think everything you brought up is how you deal with that expense curve. So one, how do you know if you're on the wrong side of the expense curve? Your peer group. 
because that's who you actually trust enough to benchmark with. But it's don't always look at the big numbers. Everyone gets worried about debt to equity, etc. No, you need to care about the two ratios that matter to your bank, working capital, right, percent, and debt service. So know those numbers, benchmark them. Two, find the little benchmarks that save you a ton of time. So the number one benchmark that I've come up with with the peer group here in the last, I don't know, 18 months, we have a joint spreadsheet on every piece of equipment we trade that breaks it down by per utilizable hour. So in, in combines, it's rotor hours. On tractors, it's just engine hours. So when we go to trade equipment, I don't have to think about whether it's a good deal. I got a hundred and some concepts or proof of concepts within the spreadsheet that it's just a yes or no decision. I don't have to waste a week on a combine. It's about 15 seconds. And so really the reason you benchmark is to save yourself time on decisions and finding the problem. I really had to jump in because I think those are oh, two things it. that I failed miserably till I maybe 35. So that's not that long ago when really a lot of what you're talking about today, right? People, process, peer group is the three ways that you handle expansion. Just alluding to what Evan said, I think you really have the structure and the communication and the buy-in of your team, right? Sometimes growing is actually easier if you have all the right people around because you may actually be able to, with growing, bring in more expertise or more who's or more specialization. And we have experience where we planned for an expansion and we got the financial stability and the human capital and the systems in place. It, it, it was actually really easy, but there's a lot of other financial factors and things that you got to look at too. But that's the value cool. of having the right structure and, and the team around you. Cool. Getting close to the end. Let's fire off a few quick answers here. Robert Sake is asking, in three years, you will be managing your farm differently. How? Okay. I got two goals for three years from now. One is that I got three computer screens of which turn on when I set my coffee cup down. They're holographs. They pop up from my desk. One is my agronomy screen that it has everything from my soil test to soil water usability to everything agronomy. The middle one is my work order screen. So if I make a decision to, to top dress, it automatically sends the work orders out and is all my people. And the third one is my financial screen of which the pro forno updates to the point that my banker even knows that I made the decision and, and the odds of correctness are 97%. So there's goal number one. Goal number two. I think I've seen that in a John Deere commercial. <laughs> yeah, it's 2012 though. They should get their ass in gear and finish it up. That's what I keep telling them. <laughs> goal number two. I got kids that, that really enjoy hockey and horses. And I want to get to the point that if there's a spring hockey tournament in the first weekend of May or a really important horse show that our business one runs smoothly enough and two, that I can let go of guilt to go attend it. Maybe it's not for all three days, but for at least one, that's probably one of my big ones to try and hit here for the next three years. Cause I think I've seen a few comments on who, not how, and I mean, that, that is how you handle growth, right? Is is you get good, more good people and you don't do it all yourself. But seeding's kind of my baby. I can, I've walked away and harvest for three or four days at a time to, to attend what I'd call something more important, but nothing for the family. So the big one for me to let go is to be able to sneak away for a day or two in seeding. So it's my number two goal for three years from now. Both of those are really inspirational. I, I really hope you get there. And I, I want that for everybody on the call too. I think that would be a big sea change in our business from the days of how long can you drive straight sleepless? used to be the metric of what kind of farmer you were. Terry, where are you going to be in three years? 
just to keep it simple and sweet, I mean, in three years from now, our goal is that our team is managing the business and I am one part of that team. And we are all doing the things that we love and have the freedom of time and family and balance. And we're doing something together that we couldn't accomplish individually by a long shot. I'm going to give you guys each the same question. I'm going to set you up like this and we'll wrap this up. Gars uses technology, benchmarking. You kind of know what one neighbor's doing versus the other neighbor across the fence. And my understanding is the results are starkly different from producer to producer. So painting that picture for everybody on the call, Farmer A is getting coached. He's part of a peer group. He's running EOS in his business. Farmer B is not. Paint me a picture of what you think Farmer A on one side of the fence looks like versus Farmer B to bring it on home, just so folks can see, visualize that. Who wants to go first? I can tackle it. I think we're pretty lucky. We can pass the buck to Heather here. She just did a pretty good survey in the last 12 months or so that uh, showed the percentage difference in financial gain and management, et cetera, of, of the adoption of such processes, right? Do you have a vision? Do you have SOPs? Do you benchmark? Do you do accrual accounting? Dick Whitman has other good surveys. There's no question that Farmer A that is doing coaching, et cetera, is, has the ability and the opportunity to be significantly ahead. However, there's one thing of getting coaching and there's one thing of actually taking that coaching and implementing it. So I've also been around a lot of people that go to coaching and then tell everybody they've gone to coaching and then implement none of it. So they still don't get any better than Farmer B that's just doing it the way they've been doing it. So I think it's not necessarily the coaching, it's the willingness to learn from your mistakes and surround yourself with people that are better at everything that can be done than you are. And you're gonna find one thing that you are the best at. It will show up sometime once you get around the right people, but excel at that and don't be afraid to ask questions of people that are good at stuff, whether that's a coach or a mentor. And when you see a question in Heather's survey, phone her up and ask her what she learned and glean from the participants, right? If you got a VR question and how to actually implement it on your farm, phone Terry, right? You want to start your own podcast and understand, Dan, it's funny for you to joke about us doing auto steer and staying awake. Try starting a brand new business with a little kid. How was that for you? You just got to find the right people that have found their way to fight through adversity and challenge, right? Our number one value at the farm isn't some great big long statement that you'd see at one of the big Fortune 500s. It's can't isn't an option. We find a way to win. But the way we find a way to win is everybody on the team believes that. And it also has to be of how do you define losing? If your definition of losing is just something we could have done better and we're gonna learn and beat it even better next time, can you actually lose? I think I can only win or learn. So it's pretty easy to follow the value. The biggest thing is just don't quit. And so I think that's my big thing is Farmer A or Farmer B. Farmer A just has a mind that's willing to learn and that understands that the only constant in our world is change. So find a way to adapt quicker than everybody else and you're gonna do just fine. And if you have problems and and believe me, I have, feel free to reach out to mentors and people that you think have had those challenges because it will really surprise you how many will take the two minutes to to give you their opinion and and help you out because they felt lonely too. They felt guilty too. I think that's the number one thing that draws us all together is is the the feeling of loneliness and the feeling of guilt 
are two things that entrepreneurs under, understand better than anybody on this earth. Well, I don't know about anybody else, but I needed to hear that today particularly. So thank you. Strikes home for me with the day that I've had in entrepreneurship. But Terry or Evan, who's going to top that? Go ahead, Terry. <laughs> you, you sure you don't want to go first or what? Um, I've learned to follow. Okay. I'm going to go back to the sports analogy a little bit, and I think it's really relevant. But you could take a team like Farmer B, could be the smartest farmer, could be the best superstars on the team. But if they're all focused on themselves and they're not working together and they don't have a plan, they don't have the coaching, you know, that team that's full of grit and hard work and give a shit about what they're doing. They believe they have the systems, they have the coaching. That story has been told over and over again in history. And to me, that's what it's really about. Like when people have passion for what they're doing and they know why they're doing it, you can accomplish incredible things. And for me, what has become really crystal clear going through all these processes, reinforce my three golden rules. And it's first do what you love and love what you do, focus on your unique abilities. And if you're incredibly passionate, you'll probably be really successful. Two is if you surround yourself with amazing people, you can accomplish amazing things. Those are the who's in your life and believe in what you're doing. And, And thirdly, just do the shit that matters. Just focus on the stuff that really matters to you and your team and People will go to incredible lengths to do whatever it has to be done if, if they believe in what you're doing and want to be a part of it. Man, I'm sure everybody on the call wants to just start farming right now. It's highly motivating moments. It's good stuff. Really good stuff. Evan, bring it on home. I'm not going to go into a deep, deep, long one like those two. I'm, I'm going to actually look at my board that I have up in front of me that our team looks at every day. I got two quotes on it. The one, if you always do it, you're always done. You'll always get what you always want or always got. And that was Henry Ford. And the other one I have is whether you believe you can or believe you can't, you're right. Those two just pretty much encompass my thoughts on the farmer A versus farmer B is one's different. One's willing to adopt. One's willing to innovate. Change is constant. Innovate fast and dream big. Yeah, I love your mantra there. The best way to have the future you want is to create it. And I hope for everybody on the call, it moves you forward into that space. Or maybe someone was holding you back or maybe you're wondering a little bit, but there is not a human being on planet Earth that would not benefit from coaching in virtually every area of your life. If you want to get really good at everything, get a coach. We're not all fortunate enough to be able to do that with everything, but your business needs it. Your business deserves it. And frankly, you deserve it and your family deserves it because anybody you talk to who's been in this program, any of these programs for any length of time, one of the biggest parts of the conversation that evolves is how they have come to value their personal time, their free time. There's as much excitement four years into Strategic Coach about the free days that were had that quarter as any other growth in terms of revenue or gross margin or anything, which we all love that. It's just the quality of your life, like Christian and Terry and Evan are talking about, is absolutely priceless. Heather, did you have anything else you wanted to share about this session or any of the questions or thoughts? I'll try and keep it short, which is always difficult for me. But Christian, thanks for pointing to some of the research and things that we've done. We've done some research into the adoption of practices, the effect on profitability, but also the effect of mental health in the past year. So 
we've got lots and lots of information to go on, but I think you guys are living proof that it really does resonate and it really is true when you can find that guiding light that brings you clarity and helps you focus in on what you need to focus on, but also helps kind of illuminate where others can be surrounding you and supporting you. It's huge. I keep thinking of kind of the looking outside of yourself, whether it's yourself as a person or even as an industry, just those unknown unknowns, all these phrases keep coming to mind. What got you here won't get you there, etc. We talk about it all the time and the farmers kind of say, well, prove it, prove it, prove it. And I think you guys are, are living proof and you're so eloquent when you speak about it. I'm, I'm so jealous, but in a very, very good way. You can tell that you've lived it and you breathe it. And that's why you're happy to share it with others because you've seen the help that it's had for yourselves being in this network and being part of this open and vulnerable system of, look, I might need some help and maybe one day I can scratch your back. So I just want to say a huge thank you for letting me be part of this, really letting me just experience this with you guys and Dan for for inviting me on. It's been truly wonderful. And, and thank you for being such amazing advocates for farming as a business and lifelong learning. Well, we're getting some really good feedback. That means a lot. Some really, really good feedback. And I know it's one of those things too. Like I think Christian, you're a pretty busy guy and you can't always afford to give your, you got to protect that personal time. But I think if I might, you came on the call tonight because this was an important topic that you want to share and give back. Because I think like everybody on this call, you've gotten so much from it. I mean, I think watching the comments, I can I can recognize a lot of names that, to tell you the truth, have provided more value to me than we'll ever provide as a panel to them. So the fact they join in and, and give us comments like that and and then CYFF, I mean, I haven't had a, a lot to do with it formally, but then on the other hand, I'm 38 years old. I, I came home to the farm and started farming my first land when I was in grade nine and then went away to be an accountant and farm the whole time. So, I mean, farming's in my blood. And this industry isn't going to stay as awesome as it is unless we keep encouraging young farmers to be part of it and and give them plenty of options and know that running your own farm doesn't have to be the only job in agriculture. There's a lot of great jobs and they're not just an industry. They are the actual in the dirt or in the pasture farms. And tech is actually creating a lot of cool jobs in agriculture where you don't have to have the risk of being an entrepreneur if you don't want to, but you can still have all the thrills and be surrounded by great people. So. I encourage everyone to participate in events to try and inspire and and hopefully show young farmers that it's okay to be worried or to feel guilty or not know what to do because we've all been there. And it's mistakes that eventually create wisdom that you hopefully guide your way and surround yourself with a great team to get there. Well said, my friend. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, Terry. Thanks, Evan. Thanks, Heather. Thanks, CYFF. Thanks, FMC. Thanks, Hebert Green Ventures. Thanks, Maverick Ag. Thanks, all of the companies Terry's involved. What I want to say is I got one question here I want to answer. And that question is, where does one start? And I'm saying to all of you tonight, you start right here with these folks that I can guarantee you, if you reach out to any of them, they will respond because they've had it given to them. They'll pay it forward. You ask them how they did it and they will help you with whatever your problem is you start with your network here tonight. So Evan, Christian, Terry, Heather, I just volunteered all your services to 75 folks still on the call. No big deal. But how many of you will reach out and start and and end up in a completely different place in 20 years, my friends, because it's a one degree turns that puts your plane 
in Maui, not China. I don't know if that's a good example, but if you go straight for a long enough time in your plane, you can't, it doesn't matter what kind of 180 you do, you run out of fuel. But if you make a 1% change every day, you'll likely get where you're going. And that's all everybody, anybody on this call does. And so here you are. Here's your start. Reach out to any of these and they'll tell you how to get going. So thanks everybody. That's it for tonight. Been a pleasure. I think we provided great value to a bunch of folks. You see the feedback. So I'm sure that's as big a reward for you guys as, as anything to share all the greatness you've gotten from coaching in your lives and your teams and your business. So congratulations and thanks so much, everybody. Thanks a lot. That's everyone. it. Thank you. Thank you. Great Have a great night. night. Yeah. Bye for now. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this episode. I hope that you enjoyed it as much as I did. Let me know. I really appreciate it. If you want to connect with me and my brother, we're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and you can find Growing the Future podcast on Instagram. But one of the really cool places to check out for past episodes and more content, different aspects of the show is growingthefuturepodcast.ca. And there you can become a Growing the Future podcast insider. We will send you updates when the show is published immediately. And some of the other content that gets created around the show, I usually publish a little blog about my takeaways on LinkedIn so you can connect with me there, specifically about this episode and more. Uh, What else? Send us a note and I'll send you a t-shirt, man. Uh, Send us your size. So we appreciate you following the show. Check out AberhardAgSolutions.ca. That's a company that Terry and I are partners in, uh, distributing uh, some really cool products for agricultural inputs. And you can check out AberhardFarms.com. That's the farm. You can check out SureGrowSolutions.ca. That's the agronomy and research company. And there's also Convergence Growth, but I don't know if they have a website yet. Uh, We'll be coming shortly. So yeah, we're around and drop us a line. Appreciate you listening and take care.